Shalom, this is Rabbi Ben Newman. I've decided to return for some episodes of Zohar Amud Yomi podcast, but from this point forward, uh, it's not going to be Yomi, meaning every day, and uh, it won't be uh, an Amud, a page sort of in the order uh, that uh, I had been reading it originally when I left off three years ago. I've decided uh, that I missed uh, reading the Zohar uh, with all of you. And so um, I would like to sort of begin again and, and read now just selections from the Zohar that I think might be uh, relevant to uh, where we are in the year cycle of the Jewish holidays or uh, where we might be in the Torah portion of the week. Um, but uh, I wanted to share some of, some of uh, my passion and love for the Zohar with you uh, and uh, some, maybe some of the more interesting passages that I've come across. So um, for today, um, I decided to just randomly open up the Zohar, um, Daniel Matt translation, the Pritzker edition, volume 8. Um, which I think is uh, the volume that I left off with, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, maybe I left off a little bit earlier than that. Um, well, maybe I actually got to this. I, I have to go back to our, my old podcasts and listen. Uh, but I p- randomly opened it up, and I came to page 307 of the Pritzker edition Zohar uh, to a really interesting passage about uh, what happens when a person dies. Um, and it doesn't give sort of the whole procedure as it does in um, certain other religious texts from other religions like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but it does give us uh, some some interpretations of what happened when we die, happens when we die. Um, this uh, corresponds to part three of the Zohar, page 126b, and I'm just going to read it, and as I read it, maybe make a, a couple of comments here and there, I read some of the footnotes as well, and I'm not going to read it in the Aramaic. I'm just going to read it in the English. Uh, so it begins as most Zohar passages begin, Tachaze, which means come and see. Come and see. A person moves through this world and thinks that it belongs to him perpetually, that he will remain in it for generations. While he is still moving in the world, he is put in a neck iron, While he sits, he is judged in a field forum with others who are accused. So it begins as sort of an admonition to people um, to basically say, as we move through this world, um, we think we're going to live forever. Um, And we act in this world as if we're never going to die. And as if our actions don't really have an impact uh, after we die, that that sort of there's no consequences to our action, uh, no consequences to our actions in any way, almost like a perpetual Groundhog Day, you know, the movie with Bill Murray. Um, and uh, there's a footnote here, uh, footnote 57, it says, a neck iron, uh, and uh, it says here, when he falls ill and is confined to bed, while sitting or lying there, he is judged 
If during his life he has acted virtuously, then his good deeds advocate on his behalf and he is healed. So I'll keep reading. Uh, if he has an advocate, then he is delivered from punishment, as, it, as is said. If, an, if he has an angel over him, one advocate among a thousand, to vouch for his uprightness, then he is gracious to him and says, Redeem him from going down to the pit. I have found ransom. Job thirty-three twenty-three to 24 Who is the advocate? These worthy deeds which stand by a person when he is in need. So the idea here is um, one which comes from Pirkei Avot, uh, 411. Um, it says, whenever one performs a mitzvah, one, requires one, one acquires one advocate, and whoever commits a transgression acquires one accuser. Uh, so the idea here is that you're put on trial when you die and your uh, good deeds that you've performed are sort of testifying in your defense. Uh, they're personified and they turn into beings that testify in your defense, maybe like angelic being, beings perhaps. Uh, and your, your transgressions, the things that you do wrong sort of uh, are your prosecutors who um, prosecute you, or they're the witnesses, maybe they're more, they're, they're more like the witnesses for the prosecution. Uh, and they're sort of turned into personified beings like angels as well. Um, and uh, I just want to read also this footnote 57. It says, a field forum, uh, which renders kunpon, deriving from Greek kampos, Latin campus, Level space, plain, field, field of battle, place for physical exercises and assembly. The term appears frequently in rabbinic literature. So the idea is you're sort of in an open plain and uh, you're being put on trial and there's witnesses for your defense, which are your good deeds, and there are witnesses for the prosecution, which are your bad deeds. If he has no advocate, then he is condemned to depart from the world. At that moment, as he is lying in the king's neck iron, raising his eyes, he sees two beings coming toward him, writing down in his presence all that he has done in this world and all that he has uttered with his mouth, and he gives an account of it all, and they write it down in his presence. As is written, For behold, he who forms mountains and creates wind declares to a human what his conversation is. Amos 4.13, and he admits all of this. Why? Because every act that he committed ascends and stands ready to testify against him, poised to testify against him, and then all, they all descend to be recorded in his presence, confronting him, not passing away until the time that he is judged for them in that world. Come and see, for all the actions that a person performs in this world await him. They do not disappear, and when he is led to the grave, they all present themselves before him. Three heralds, one in front of him, one on his right and one on his left, proclaim, This is so-and-so who rebelled against the Lord, rebelling above, rebelling below, rebelling against Torah, rebelling against his commandments. Look at his actions, look at his words. Better for him if he had never been created. As they reach the grave, all the dead are agitated by him saying, Whoa, whoa, that this one is being buried among us. His actions and his words precede him, entering the grave and stand over the body while his spirit roams around, mourning over the body. As soon as a person is concealed in his grave, Duma hastens out, 
grasping a quart of three who are appointed over judgment of the grave. Three fiery scepters are in their hands, and they judge spirit and body together. Woe for that judgment, woe for his actions. Reading now from footnote 62, Dumas hastens out. This angel named Dumas, this angel in charge of souls of the dead, emerges from his abode and initiates the judgment or punishment of the grave known as Chibut HaKever, beating in the grave. The soul and body are judged together since they are jointly accountable for any misdeeds. Now I'm going back to the text. We're now on page 309 of the Pritzker, uh, volume 8. When he is caught in the king's neck iron and judgment has been determined against him since no advocate has been found on his behalf, the king's guard descends and stands before him at his feet with a sharp sword in his hand. The person raises his eyes and sees the walls of the house burning from the guard's flashing fire. Just then he sees him right in front of him, completely full of eyes, clothed in fire, blazing in the person's presence. Certainly so, for many people have seen an angel in the street and stood in right in front of him without anyone else seeing him. Footnote 63, Rabbi Abba returns now to the moments preceding death when the person is confined to his sickbed. If the sick person does not have sufficient good deeds, then the angel of death, the king's guard, confronts him. This angel's gaze is inescapable. In fact, he is, quote, completely full of eyes, unquote. Other people in the room cannot see the angel of death. Back to the text. Now you might say, look at what is written. He makes his angels spirits, his ministers flaming fire. Psalms 104.4. How can an angel be seen on earth? Well, this matter has already been established. For when he descends, he clothes himself in a body, and he is seen by whom he is seen in that garment in which he is clothed. Otherwise, the world could not bear it, bear it nor could he be seen all the more so this one who is required by all inhabitants of the world. Three drops on his sword, as the companions have already established. As soon as he, the angel of death, as soon as he sees the angel of death, his whole body and spirit tremble and his heart is agitated because it is king of the whole body. His spirit moves through every limb of the body, asking leave of them, like someone asking leave of his friend to go to another place. Then he says, woe for what he has done, but it does not benefit him unless he previously applied the remedy of tshuva, repentance, tshuva, returning before that moment arrived. It's interesting that I randomly opened to this page and it's about tshuva and it's about death, sort of invoking tshuva or invoking our, our need for tshuva um, because we're coming up to Rosh Hashanah, the high holidays, the days of judgment, the days of awe. Uh, and one of the things that the rabbis often say is that if... Uh, if all else fails, thinking about our own death will cause us to um, to do tshuva, to return. Um, it's sort of the the last resort to invoke tshuva, to evoke tshuva in somebody. The person is afraid and wants to hide, but he cannot. When he sees that he is unable, he opens his eyes and has to look at him. I guess the angel of death, gazing at him wide-eyed. Then he surrenders himself in his soul. 
That moment is the time of great judgment to which a person is subjected in this world. Furthermore, the spirit goes roaming through all the limbs quivering in every direction and all the limbs of the body tremble as the spirit reaches every single limb asking leave of it. That limb breaks out in sweat and the spirit departs from it and that limb immediately dies and so with all of them. When the spirit is about to depart, having asked leave of the whole body, Shekhinah, presence of God, the divine feminine stands over it and immediately the soul flies from the body. Happy is the share of one who cleaves to her. Woe to the wicked who are far from her and do not cleave to her. How many courts of law must a person pass through when he departs from this world? One is that judgment on high that we have mentioned when the spirit leaves the body, the one that we just talked about. One is the judgment when his actions and his words precede him and heralds proclaim about him, which we also mentioned. One is the judgment when he enters the grave. One is the judgment of the grave. One is the judgment of the worm. And one is the judgment of hell. And one is the judgment of the spirit that goes wandering through the world, finding no place until its actions have been requited. Surely seven periods will pass over him, Daniel 4.13. Therefore, while he is still in this world, a person should fear his Lord and examine his actions every single day and repent of them before his Lord. When King David contemplated, contemplated judgments of a person on departing this world, he anticipated saying, Bless Yudhevave, O my soul, before you leave the world, now that you are still with the body and everything within me, his holy name. You limbs who participate with the spirit, now that it is still with you, bless the holy name early before the time comes when you will be unable to bless him and offer your gratitude. So again, very interesting coincidence that I randomly opened to this page in volume eight, which is all about uh, death and um, when we contemplate our own death and, the, and our actions sort of going before us uh, and determining what happens to us once we die. Uh, perhaps we would be uh, inspired to do tshuva while we're still alive. Um, it's interesting, in, in some ways, it reminds me of the Buddhist notion of um, uh, working to, to change your actions now and, and create positive karma now while you're in a human body and while you have this life uh, so that you don't have to be reborn as uh, sort of a lower life form that's farther from enlightenment uh, and also the idea that you should work now for enlightenment uh, and and watch your actions and, and be ethical now so that uh, you don't have to do a lot of work <laughs> after you die. Uh, so that's that's uh, my return to Zohar Amud Yomi. Um, I'm, I'm not committing to any specific time period of doing this, but I wanted to... Uh, sort of reemerge into uh, my podcast of Zohar. Um, I have missed it for the last three or so years and I uh, hope to continue. Um, so everybody have a Shabbat Shalom. Um, this week's Parsha is Ki Tavo, so uh, I invite you to read that uh, and prepare. We have about 10 days till Rosh Hashanah, till the High Holy Days. Uh, so... Do tshuva now, so if you die, uh, you uh, won't uh, go to a bad place or maybe be reincarnated as a worm. Take care.
Pekaya, 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 Peka